0: To another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you, get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with Detox. I'm your host, Sean. On today's episode, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking to New York Times best-selling author and artist Rachel Ignatovsky. Rachel was on to talk about her newest book, "What's Inside a Caterpillar Cocoon?" and other questions about moths and butterflies that just came out earlier this month in September. We also talk about her books, the history of the computer, women in science, uh, overall representation, and just lessons that she wants young readers and their parents to walk away with after reading all of her books. Now, before we get into the conversation, which was absolutely incredible, I need to let you know that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on nostalgia overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram or at TheEmpireToys.com and by Self Unbound, your quality of life. Physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually is a direct reflection of the level of abundant energy, ease, and connection your nervous system has to experience your life. At Self Unbound, your nervous system takes center stage as we help unbind your limited healing potential through network spinal care. Access the first steps to your Unbound journey by following them on Facebook, Instagram, or at selfunbound.com. Now, without further ado, my conversation with Rachel Ignatowski is right up after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time, I'm very excited to get to talk to her, Rachel Ignatovsky. Rachel, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing? I,
0: well, I'm excited because you are not only uh, someone who uh, designs these beautiful books, and we're going to talk about them, but you also have such incredible information with packed within every single page that it is um, what I'm most excited about with your books is the fact that there's a blend of both, uh, visually stimulating and, and information, like informative. And I'm not, that's a little bit clunkier than I mean, but I'm, I'm so excited because, so I've got two kids. I'm just, I'm just going to dive right in. So I've got two kids and my oldest, uh, my daughter, she's eight. And I know that something that, uh, can dr- bring her in is some beautiful art. And she's loves to read and, and, and just actually eventually the series of unfortunate events, uh, as well. Um, but loves to read, but then like the, the beautiful artwork she's drawn to, she really loves that is inspiring an artist herself. And so when she saw, uh, the books, uh, that we picked up the history of the computer and women in science, 50 fearless pioneers who changed the world, she was drawn in by the artwork. And then my son, uh, who's six, is very interested in, like, all of the details, all the facts and the figures. And he also loves the art, absolutely. But he was reading the computer book and was telling me, did you know this many bytes and this many bytes and this many bytes and this many bytes, right? Over and over. So it was, like, it was a nice, wonderful experience where we could share the information and the love of the book together. So all of that to say, I'm very excited to be here and to talk with you on the show. But before I I even dive in, I know I dove in a little bit, but let me let me pull back just a moment and let people know who might be first-time listeners. So here at the Detox Podcast, we invite people to detox, quote unquote, from the world around them and get a window into how other people live their lives. And I do like to ask my guests at the start uh, a, a question, and Rachel, I'll pose it to you here. What are you currently doing? Detoxing from?
1: Detoxing from? Well, <laughs> I guess uh, the wildfire smoke is one thing oh. that we've been detoxing yeah. from. <laughs> um, it's so funny that you say that because I've really built my life and my career around sort of doing the things that I love mm. so much. So I, I get to learn all day about topics that I think are interesting. I get to draw all day um sometimes i almost feel like hey i'm still doing the same things i love to do since i was like a teenager <laughs> where i have cartoons on in the background and i'm drawing worms with happy faces <laughs> on them going around in the soil and then right. i get to you know explain why soil is important I, all of that gets done in my i know you have a lot of my tech books but i've been yeah. doing a lot of nature lately so i've been going out into nature exploring nature um so detox it's kind of like i feel like um really early on in my career i built the foundation for my art where i'm constantly just nurturing my childlike curiosity and really sharing what i love with others yeah. so i feel like the big thing I try to do with all of my work is get people to realize that we live in this big universe and the only way you could really make yourself a better person is by learning about Mm. that big old universe, whether it's our history, how the world works, the science behind everything. And that's what I try to instill in others. So maybe I'm encouraging other people to detox.
0: (laughs) I like it. I like it. No, I think, um, something something you said really really struck me in in a positive way whereas you talked about building your life and your career sort or your career sort of around the things that brought you joy have continuously brought you joy right and so now you've been able to scale that to bring other people joy as well um you know so sort of uh tangentially related I was I was um <laughs> I'm detoxing from, uh, and I, and I bet listeners will, will be able to relate to this in some way, but I I'm currently detoxing from the feeling of, um, imposter syndrome that everyone uh, always has right. And the feeling of not being good enough for whatever it is that you, that one might be doing. But I just remember I was the other day, it was definitely the other day because I've got some stubble. Although you, for you, Rachel, looking at me across the zoom room, you cannot see this, but for listeners, the, the, can imagine i've got like a huge wizard beard but i do not um but i was i was staring at myself in the mirror while i was shaving uh the other day and i just had this moment of realization and clarity where i was like "Hmm, i don't think we as humans ever think we're good enough and i it just hit me because i realized i'm like you know i think for me in particular of what i've been working on i was like you know i've been waiting for this idea of like okay now I've achieved enough. Now I'm at a certain pinnacle. Now I can go chase the thing that I've been wanting, right? The passion, the thing that I've been wanting to go for. And then I was like, no, I uh, I don't think that ever happens. I think I just have to go after it and sort of create the environment or create sort of the career that I want where I get to do the things that I want. And I'm helping to inspire people and and help give them sort of the, these own moments of clarity. So I think in in what I appreciated about what you told about... Creating the career um, where you have uh, you've built it around the passions and things that you love, and you're going out in nature and you're learning so much more, and then you're able to pass that information on, and it helps inspire readers. Um, in that same way, I I love that, and that's so relatable because that's something that I think uh, a lot of folks want to be able to do, and maybe feel some 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 hesitation on whether maybe even. They've, they are allowing themselves to, to do that. You know what I mean? So I like it. Thank you for you sharing. Know,
1: well, when it comes to that sort of thing, imposter syndrome, things like that, you know, I actually get asked that question quite a bit. I think it's because I'm a young woman sure. who is like very ambitious in her field, mm-hmm. which is, you know, being an author, an illustrator, a science communicator. Um, I get asked about imposter syndrome a lot and to be honest, it's not something that I have personally ever dealt with. And the reason is, is because I have been drawing and taking myself seriously as an artist since I was 12 years old. Uh, You know, like the first money I made myself, I used to pay for my own classes to be in art. Um, I've always been very competitive when it comes to my art, trying to push myself to be the best that I can. Every project I do, I try to make it the best better project than it was before. I like try to break a sweat while doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Uh, And there's something that's really cool that happens when you really lean into your passions and your talents and you think about what makes you an expert at what you do, like what's your individual voice. So example, like the history of the computer, I'm not a computer scientist, but what I am an expert at is taking dense information, creating infographics, creating artwork that organizes that dense information and makes it easy to learn for everyone. So there are scientists out there, there are pop culture like science writers out there who are far more technical than me and I consume them and I like read their work all the time to inspire my work but what i'm good at is making cartoons cartoons that make you want to then read those big thickum texts so knowing what your skills are knowing what your um specific expertise and what your voice is that's the way to like kind of fight against that oh no i'm not good enough feeling
0: yeah 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 yeah. so and
1: And also just like exercising whatever your talent is, like you're going to the gym. Mm. Like sometimes you're not gonna wanna do it, forcing yourself to do it anyway. That gives you that confidence and that courage and that beautiful relationship that you can have with yourself to trust yourself to be able to take on like bigger and bigger projects. So that's how I fight against any sorts of like imposter sort of feelings and how i've continued to have confidence as a young artist and now as a very experienced artist in my field it's it's a it's a muscle that you have to start real early you have to start as a teenager almost
0: yeah Yeah. well said first of all well said and i do i do want to call out the fact that i think you're absolutely right that you you get you specifically like you mentioned get asked that question about imposter syndrome because of the fact right so so sort of there's some there's some bias there and in the question and and the reason why it's being posed to you so i brought up i led with my own imposter syndrome right and so i was trying Mm -hmm. to come at it from from that particular point of view and and the advice that you shared is so incredibly helpful just the idea of understanding what strengths that you have how to um work them you know work out those strengths as if you're exercising at the gym, exercising them and then seeing how you can increase and, and start to scale that, um, to have more to go with it, but really understanding the, the lanes in which you, you work and, and operate in. I'd love that. Um, I do, you brought up, uh, history of the computer. We're going to get to, uh, what's inside a caterpillar cocoon. Cause I've got quite a few questions on that as well. Um, you brought up history of the computer and I, I have to say real quick, when I opened the book up and saw the floppy disk, I'm like, ah, yes, I feel very seen. I understand this. <laughs> and I do remember when we had our first home computer, we did have the large floppy, like true floppy disk. And then very quickly, I remember we got the smaller hard disks that were still called floppy disks. Or then maybe just shortened to discs before CD-ROMs, and I remember th- those discs were were key and crucial, and and they had so much more memory than the floppies. And then we yeah. have the CDs, and and on and on and on. And I just remember my my daughter is looking at all of all of these things, right? And was just like, she didn't understand it. Like I mean, we had to pull out a flash drive to go over what a flash drive was, and then of course CD, and then forget about floppy. She understands the cloud, and that's it right? Like she understands, like those were the things that she understood. And it's what I, and what's incredible is because your books are, and I think I specifically am drawn so much to them because I do respond very well to infographics in general. Um, and the book is, is much more than infographic, but it is laid out in a way that is very pleasing to me as a consumer. And so it makes it easy to jump from one fact to another lesson and to another thing. And so, it's great. I I, I want to ask though. I want to I want to get into what's inside Caterpillar Cocoon, but I got I got to bring up real quick, women in science. And I know I'm I'm kind of speeding through this, but I'm wanting to cram a lot into the conversation. Women in science. Mm-hmm. Fifty fearless pioneers who changed the world. I'm saying this right now. If you haven't picked this book up for yourself, I don't care if you have kids or not, and you're listening to this book, you need to pick this book up because there are so many leaders and like just I pulled out one of of the many but Hedy Lamar, right inventor and film actress right how many people know that she invented what was it it was the uh the radio wave uh technology um uh, she,
1: she t- created basically um what bluetooth is based on right, today exactly and it's the yeah what's amazing about that book is that we go from the very first female mathematician ever recorded which is Hypatia in ancient Alexandria and we actually move through time to uh Miriam Mizarkhani which is the first woman to win a field medal which is like the Nobel Prize in math and of course we talk about a lot more than math we have like marine biologists we have astronauts we have uh you know nuclear physicists um and what's really interesting about it is that by learning about these women you don't just get to learn about the science history, you also get to live their experiences during the time period right. and the struggles that they would have to face. So like you mentioned, um, Heidi Lamar, like she was you know, working during World War II. She was an actress. She had a really great scientific mind, but for the most part, her beauty is the only thing anyone saw value in. Right. And she ended up, I think she sold kisses for war bombs yeah. um at the time but then at the same time she's you know working with her musical partner um and together they create this like um basically like this way to switch to uh, they long story short they create a way to make radio waves um undetectable and un basically like harder for the enemy to code break right. and this like switching that's done that it's almost like the uh gear switching in a mechanical uh piano which is what gave them the inspiration is basic it's the basis of what all bluetooth technology is right. today so and that was to make torpedoes more secure so that's where her mind was at but while she was alive not many people saw value in her mind as much as her beautiful looks and yeah. So you kind of get this idea of what it was like for women working at the time. But again, those stories are incredibly diverse in the, the book as well. You have women who uh, you know, fought for suffrage, who um, fought for civil rights, who lived you know, during some of the most brutal times in history. And despite everything, it was their love of science and their passion for discovery that allowed them to change the world. Exactly. one of my favorite story yeah and one of my favorite stories is actually like lisa meitner oh, yes, uh, lisa yeah. meitner she was had to flee the holocaust and while she was hiding out in switzerland she um was able to basically untangle the research that she was doing with her partner otto Hahn previously in germany and she discovers nuclear energy it she didn't stop working because she couldn't help herself. She right. loved doing the science so much. And learning about these women's stories, I, I and and writing about them, I personally felt transformed and inspired to kind of like think about just what is passion, what is work, and how can, no matter what your passions are, how can you use your work to try and I don't know, create a little more social good in the world. So, yeah. And it's Women in Art, Women in Science, Women in Sports, all three of those books that I wrote. um, It's just been um, such an honor to see how they've been received by readers all over the world and how many young girls also feel that way when they read the books.
0: Yes. And it's not lost on me too. um, In reading through the Women in Science, how many women were sort of pulling double duty, right? Having a career or a day-to-day job or responsibility and also thinking and creating and inventing over here as opposed to uh, maybe perhaps the men of the time who were designated, you know, thinkers, inventors, scientists, whatever, and that is their job and that's the only responsibility they have as opposed to having to sort of fight for uh, the space in the, the room um, to be able to share that. So, um, it, it was interesting. It was an interesting um, anecdote to, or not anecdote, trend to see, I would say, throughout the years, right? And then um, it is something I think that we say, you've got the statistics in the book. And so it's it's the STEM statistics of representation um, within the book. And it's, it's something that I think we still struggle with today to get girls and especially uh, women of color into these scientific fields to have uh, more representation. Um, so thank you again for writing these books, uh, continued plug. If you haven't just gone and bought everything, uh, that Rachel has ever written, uh, I don't know what you're doing because you should have bought it by now. Um, I do want to shift and go, what was the impetus for you to go from writing tech books like, uh, women in science or the history of the computer into writing more nature-based books like your, your, uh, recent book what's inside a caterpillar cocoon
1: well my first book was women in science and i was really inspired by the stories of ecologists like jane goodall and rachel carson and sylvia alice earl so that that all led me to write i believe it was like around my third book i'm up to like book nine right now that i'm working on (laughs) which is pretty wild to think about but my third book was the wondrous workings of planet earth where I profiled different ecosystems all over the world, and I talked about their biggest benefit, their ecological benefits, natural resources, and also the greatest threat that they face. And that is also like at sort of the middle grade reading level that the history of the computer is, that women in sciences, And I take my inspiration a lot from the needs of teachers and students in classrooms. And I really felt like there was a need to create a science book that was based on elementary school science curriculum that kind of showed that even at the youngest age, kids are curious about the natural world and those small questions actually have these big answers that are the basis of a biology education. Yeah. So I looked and I started reading what's in elementary science curriculum What am I excited about learning more about? And it started with what's inside a flower. So we follow the life cycle of a flower. And sure, there are books that are like this out there, but my books really hit home those little core principles that you're gonna have to learn in the classroom. Like we talk about what photosynthesis is, we talk about like cross-pollination, all of that, we talk about the nutrients and the soil, all while putting little happy faces on everything <laughs> and make it like, like it's something that you could read at bedtime just for fun, or it could be a part of the science lesson in elementary sc- like school, in the reading circle. So I wanted to continue it. So I continued the series with What's Inside a Caterpillar Cocoon and actually another book that's coming out this spring, What's Inside a Bird's Nest. Ooh. I know. And I just it was so much fun drawing all the gooey bits, like drawing <laughs> like the egg embryo developing. Yeah. But also like you have this sweet little mommy bird feeding the baby bird. And then like, like the birds, like, like. What's it called? A uh, like pair mate comes oh, in and like yeah. feeds the mom <laughs> and like I get to draw all that, you know, yeah, yeah. It's just like cutesy cutesy stuff like that, that it's like, yeah, that's it nature has these stories in it as well. So what I love about what's inside a caterpillar cocoon is that we don't just talk about butterflies. It's actually a book about moths and butterflies. Yep. Um and we compare and contrast throughout the book about what makes moths and butterflies different and we really go through the life cycle from egg to pupa I mean egg to caterpillar to pupa to adult right. and Throughout it, I try to put as many fun facts as possible, but it's also about why are these little cutie crawlers important? What are the natural benefits that even the smallest creatures have and why is it important to protect wild spaces? So all of this, I feel like you can hook them at a really young age. And what's great about these books is that just like all my other books, they're crammed with infographics and I keep getting responses that like the Adults who are reading the books with their kids are learning just as much as right. the kids are. So, yes, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I like to say that all of my books are like all ages books. Yes, even though, you know, even though like when you think of a picture book, you think of the littlest readers. I think adults are lovers of picture books as well.
0: Absolutely. I don't know when we get to a point where we're like, no, no, no pictures, please. I'm, I'm, I'm all visually tapped out. No. You're absolutely right I know. there's so much you can get from <laughs> it yeah <laughs> what was um i want to ask what was your favorite discovery as you were writing this particular book the what's inside a cocoon
1: oh man my favorite discovery okay so for me i didn't know this when i started it so there's a large group of moths called silk moths and these are the ones that you know you think of as like the most beautiful, like the Luna moths, the okay. emperor moths, Got it. the the silk moths that are domesticated that we actually make silk from. None of them have mouths. What? Yeah, so, and that was a big thing for me too. I was like, what, you don't have a mouth? So as a caterpillar, they eat everything that they're gonna eat for their whole life. So they're munching, wow. they get getting real buff and fat. And then after they, you know, they go into their cocoon, they pupate. Um, as an adult, they only live about a week or two and they're only, and they don't eat anything. They literally don't have a mouth. All of the food that they ate is what's fueling them and their only job is to reproduce. So it kind of like is a little poetic because like, think of a luna moth. Think about how beautiful that is. It, it's, only, it's only that way for just a second. It's wow. just a fleeting moment in time. And that's how nature intended it.
0: That's wild. Wow. Isn't that
1: wild? Yeah. Uh,
0: also, Lol little freaky. And we're recording this right before, like, spooky season in October. Spooky so, season. Right? So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, okay. no. Right? I feel like that's fodder for some future uh, screenwriter, right? Uh, I no. know. <laughs> it's pretty,
1: it's pretty yeah. wild when you think of it. And, of course, there's a ton of other types of moths that have tons of different types of mouths. Sure. Like, there, there's all the sphinx moths that go around and they pollinate the nighttime flowers and things like that. Sure. And they have the little tube mouth, but the, the, the silk moths, no mouths. They're That's just, wild. yeah, it's pretty wild when you think about it, but at the same time, a pretty cool pet. Yeah. If you wanted to have a no maintenance pet, you just get this caterpillar oh goodness, and then you yes. have this like, and then I guess after two weeks, your commitment is done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, My daughter um, is a huge, I think future, um, future something related to nature because she's been we've been doing we're, we live near a nature preserve and so she's been taking classes and diff- different camps did an insect camp uh, over the summer and her teacher said uh, brought out walking sticks for like show and tell one day and um, told her that she could bring some home so there are two walking sticks uh, in a container uh, terrarium uh, upstairs um, in my house and the cats are not allowed to go into the room because the second they discover that those things exist it's game over so uh, but it, it, it I was a little like I'm sorry what what are you asking me to do bring bugs inside my house but then <laughs> but then we learned about them right we learned quite a bit about their life cycle and about how um, how much they live uh, one fun fact for anybody that's thinking oh I'll get a walking stick I'll have one uh, they re they they lay a ton of eggs, and you have to freeze the soil, or else you'll end up with a ton of them uh, inside a terrarium, and have to take care of them. Um, luckily, uh, the instructor told me that ahead of time, so I didn't have to find out the hard way. Uh, but yes, they they can self-reproduce. Uh, they're all the only ones in the wild are female. Um, And I don't even know if males exist. Um, They just like, that's what I've been told. And so they self-reproduce and then they shed and then they live for, I don't, I think a few months and then that's about it. But, uh, but they're very interesting. They don't bite. They do curl up the back of their um, body, like a scorpion tail as like a defense mechanism to look more uh, menacing, but then they, you know, but they're interesting. So I say all of that did not mean to get into uh, discussion about bugs, but that's something I did not know. And my daughter loves that. And so she is um, really interested uh, in anything related to nature and about like what's new and unique, not new, what's new to her, right. And unique and, mm-hmm. and interesting and, and lessons. And so this thing about the moth is something that's right up her alley. So I want to ask um, what is something that you want maybe both kids and parents to walk away from the book uh, with, like, what do you want them to walk away with?
1: After reading What's Inside a Caterpillar's Cocoon, I want them to, one, understand a little bit more about, like, sort of the wonder that is nature that's all around them. I'm sure at night you go around, you see moths, you walk around your garden, you see butterflies. Understanding their life cycle and a little bit more about why they behave the way they do, what are their defenses, like camouflage, like the stick bugs that your daughter yeah. has. All of that just helps you understand the sort of complicated natural world a little bit more. Yeah. And the big thing I want them to walk away from is that, you know, the power to protect nature is actually in all of our hands. And there's a lot of large and small things that we can do. And one of the the things that we could do specifically for pollinators is just to cultivate wild spaces in the places that we own whether it's our own yard or perhaps a community garden it's really important to provide the flowers and fields that these bugs need cuz we really also rely on them yeah and Taking a page out of my own book, I mean, I planted a ton of milkweed in my own garden, which is the host plant for monarch butterflies. Oh, wow! And I so happen to live on the monarch butterfly migration. So not only are you doing something that's like a little good for nature, but you get to reap the reward by seeing like tons of monarch butterflies <laughs> in your backyard. Absolutely. So just doing things like that, it'll enrich your own life, but also enrich the whole world.
0: I love that. If people want to, uh, well, if they've not already purchased all of these books, um, where would you like them to go to purchase said books?
1: You know, the best place that you can purchase any of my books is your local bookstore. So call up your local bookstore. If they're not already there, have them order it for you. And that's the best way to keep the money in your community. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. But these books are, they're available to purchase everywhere books are sold so anywhere there's books i'll be there
0: i love it uh okay great so we are going to uh shift gears to our final segment of the show before we wrap up called things to check out so it's a segment where i provide a recommendation of something to read watch and or listen to and i invite my guests to do the same uh so i will go first um currently um, from a reading perspective, I know this has come up on the show before, um, but my recommendation is the book series Animorphs, and that is a direct result of um so I <laughs> so going back in the archives, I had author Allison Ames on to talk about her her uh, YA horror Book, it looks like us, which is as we're coming up on spooky season. I highly recommend that book; it's incredible. So you should go check it out. But we got into this long discussion about animorphs and how we were both raised on animorphs and how animorphs informed some of her writing style um, in in that particular book. And so I've always loved it. Um, but I was like, when do I introduce it to my kids? Well, my daughter just got a pen pal, and her pen pal wrote back and said her favorite book series is animorphs. And so now my eight year old is like, "What's animorphs?" And I'm like, I'm "So glad you asked." Hold please. <laughs> So I am currently, I'm trying to remember, I started reading them around 10 or 11, um, and she's eight. Um, so I'm currently rereading a f- the first several just to like vet and be like, okay, I think I think it's okay, but do I need to wait? So anyway, so that's my recommendation. If Folks haven't checked it out. There's that from a reading perspective. From a watching perspective, um, I uh, am still watching um, Winning Time, the, the story of the LA Lakers Dynasty on HBO Max. Uh, I enjoy some good sports shows, so that's a recommendation. And then from a listening perspective, I am going to do a little bit of a plug. Um, So for those that know, I also do a soccer podcast called 25 for 25, the story of the Miami fusion. It's a soccer history podcast about the first ever uh, team in Miami uh, before inter Miami that's in major league soccer right now and about their four year lifespan in the league from 98 to 2001. And it's currently up for a British podcast award. So if you go to Instagram and I think it's football at football content awards, and go to uh, the post that is Best Podcast International and click on it and then in the comments, tag at Miami Fusion Pod, that's me and I get a vote. And then I'm going to Liverpool in November and hopefully we'll uh, be accepting awards. So that's that's my little plug of something to read, watch and or listen to. Rachel, what are some recommendations for the listeners?
1: To read, watch, well, right now, I'm actually researching for the next book I'm writing. It's actually a dinosaur book. (gasps) So I'm reading, oh. I'm reading the rise and fall of the dinosaurs, that and it's really awesome. good. It's a really good book. Oh um, it's it's more of an adult read. It's it's a big thickums, <laughs> but it it it's really good. Uh, it, I think it's it's funny because he also talks about like what's it like to kind of be an archaeologist and like mm. kind of like palling around around the world, going on digs like getting drunk at conferences, which I think is like <laughs> I'm like, oh, the archaeology lifestyle, I guess. <laughs> so, but it's a really, really great book. Um what am I watching? Man, I just rewatched all of community again oh. for the millionth time. So pop pop. Go watch- yeah, pop up. <laughs> yeah. Um try an odd bed in the morning. Go, go yes. watch it. Yeah. Go watch community. If you haven't watched community, I, have like watch, I, I think like every two years I rewatch the whole thing. Oh, it's so fantastic. Yeah. It's um, fantastic. what else? And to listen to, um, man, I, let me think, what have I been listening to? Um, Hmm. I guess some music. Can I do <laughs> yeah, a musical absolutely. listen? Okay. Um, I suggest that everybody go listen to, oh, now every single thing I'm thinking of is not podcast appropriate because I like really intense music. Oh, that's um, okay.
0: You can go that's ahead, okay. Sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. I, I guess everyone should go listen to, you know what? I'm going to choose a nice one. Everyone go listen to New Order. That's a great <laughs> band. Go listen to New Order. And not the one I was going to say, because I listen to a lot of Heavy goth music from the 80s. That's a little heavier than
0: that. (laughs) Incredible. I love it. (laughs) Uh, I love it. Well, um, Rachel, and I just, I also got to say, one of my favorite books of all time is Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton. I love a good Michael Crichton thriller. Oh, yeah. The OG Jurassic Park. Always, I read that like every couple of years. I'm actually due for a reread. I might, uh, that might be my next book uh, that I pull out. But yes, so. I'm excited for the Dinosaur book. I will be pre-ordering it whenever it's available to pre-order. I'm so excited. Rachel, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: The best way is my name. I'm Rachel Ignatowski. That's I-G-N-O-T-O-F-S-K-Y. And I'm the only Rachel Ignatowski in the whole world. So all of my, uh, all of my like, links are just my name. So you can follow me on all of my socials and just Google my name and I will pop up. And so will all my books.
0: Just call your name. And well, I lost the James Taylor of it all. But there (laughs) it is, right? Uh, I love it. Rachel, thank you so much for being on the show. This is fantastic. I really, really appreciate it. And I can't wait to have you back on so we can talk about dinosaurs and then whatever else that your mind thinks up. So I appreciate it.
1: Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, go listen to New Order, everyone. Absolutely. Yes, appropriate for all (laughs) New
0: Order. I love it. Well, (laughs) listeners, you've been detoxing with detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's v o k a l n o w.com.